Bibles this morning, and let's go to 2 Timothy, all right, that's where we'll be this morning, and as you're finding your place there, I want to say once again, Happy Mother's Day, and I sure hope all you mothers out there have a fantastic day, because you do deserve it, and you are very much loved and prayed for and appreciated, because understand something, without you mothers, none of us will be here today. Some of you got it, others will get it about 3 in the morning, but that's okay. But we do appreciate mothers around here, and I'm very thankful for mine. And I pray for mine, thankful for grandmothers, and uh, so thankful for all the mothers and grandmothers in my, in my life. But as I think on this day, on Mother's Day, there are several different women we could look at from Scripture to learn from them, uh, learn of their faith, learn of their trust in the Lord, learn of the principles that they live by, and really look at their life and emulate it and apply their life even to ours. There's many different scriptures and many different ladies we could look at. We could go to the book of Proverbs and look at the Proverbs 31 lady whose price is far above rubies. We go to the book of Samuel and see Hannah, how in her affliction she prevailed with God in prayer. This woman Hannah was such a prayer warrior. We could look at her life and see the principles she applied there in prayer and how God heard and answered that very prayer. We could look at Sarah and how God blessed her in her old age and how she even looked at her husband one day and called him Lord. Amen. But that was a joke. Oh, my. Come on, people. I'm kidding. All right. I am kidding. I promise. <laughs> I'm kidding. But, uh, but Sarah, we could look at her and uh, how, she, how she hosted the Lord. We could look at Esther. And her courage to follow God, even if that meant certain death for such a time as this. We go in the New Testament and look at Mary Magdalene, how she, was, how she had a treasured worship, a pure worship of the Lord Jesus. We can look at Martha in the New Testament, how she was always serving, someone who was given to hospitality. We go back to the Old Testament and look at Deborah, who was a courageous judge for the Lord. We can look even at this lady, uh, J.L., who took a tent spike in one hand, a hammer in the other hand, and drove it through the temple of her enemy, killing him. What a warrior. All right, don't mess with J.L., okay? And yes, that's in the Bible. <laughs> but we can look at different women and portions of Scripture, and uh, so many we can look at this, this morning and, and take those principles and apply them to our very life. But as I think of Mother's Day, I couldn't get past this portion of Scripture. And I really passed these two ladies that are mentioned in, in uh, uh, 2 Timothy chapter, chapter 1. Because the ones we're going to look at is a mother and a grandmother of none other than Timothy himself. Now, I would think that most of us here today would agree from Scripture that Timothy was a very important character in the Bible. Would you agree with me on that? I mean, he does have two books that bear his name. But he was a very personal companion to the Apostle Paul himself. Paul loved Timothy so dearly. Even our text, we'll see here in a moment, he even looked at, or would write to Timothy rather, and say, he's my, my dearly beloved son. This will be a very enduring description that Paul would give to his young son in the faith, Timothy. And no doubt they encouraged each other in the Lord. He cared deeply for Timothy. But Timothy was also a companion in the gospel. That meant that Timothy would have preached the gospel. He would have started churches with Paul. No doubt he probably even pastored some of these churches that he started and preached at. Uh, Timothy would have gone to jail for preaching 
the gospel. Timothy would have mentored others and encouraged them in the Lord. So as you think of Timothy, there's so many things we could think about, but we know that he is a very important man in Scripture. But Timothy was not a self-made man. Understand that. He was not a self-made man. This fella, Timothy, that we come to know and love and, and, and high and hold regard from in Scripture, he needed a little help along the way. He needed some guidance along the way. He had to have somebody point him in the right direction. He had to have somebody point him to the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that Paul did that, maybe some of the other apostles as well. But who was the first? Who was the very first one to tell Timothy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who was the very first one to teach Timothy of to put his faith in the Lord? Where did it all begin? With this mighty man in Scripture we know as, as Timothy. How did it start? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because Paul tells us as we come to 2 Timothy here in chapter number 1 and verse number 1. Look at it with me. The Bible says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, According to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve for my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Our fathers, we read the word of God today and begin to study scriptures today, and we think along these lines of Mother's Day and these two mothers in particular from scripture, this grandmother Lois and mother Eunice, especially their unfeigned faith. I pray it help us to have that same kind of faith today. Not just the mothers here, the ladies here, but all of us have this strong, real faith that will be unfeigned. And others can see, and others can learn of, and emulate and apply to their life as well. We love you. Thank you for loving us. Help us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you take note, there's a couple words I'd love for you to take note of as we read here in just a moment, especially in verse number 5, where it says this, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and in thy mother Eunice, I am persuaded that in thee also. The unfeigned faith, the unfeigned faith that was in Timothy, but was found first where? Paul said it. In thy grandmother Lois. And thy mother, Eunice. So, this morning, what I'd like for us to consider is this, a mother's faith. A mother's faith, or the unfeigned faith of Lois and Eunice. All right, so the first thing I'd like for us to notice is this. Number one, about unfeigned faith is this, it's definition. We've got to know what this really means. What does it mean to have unfeigned faith? Well, this word unfeigned is a great word, all right? It's not one we use particularly a lot today, but it's a fantastic, deep word. And it means this. It means not counterfeit. It means not hypocritical. It means something that is real, something that is authentic, something that is sincere. It means to be undisguised. 
So the short definition that I can give you about unfeigned faith is this, something that is real. Something that's real. And of course on the flip side of unfeigned faith would be the feigned, if I can say it that way, feigned faith, right? Something that is not real, something that is not sincere, something that be more along the lines of mechanical, but definitely along the lines of hypocritical. Hypocritical. And I had a pondering thought this morning as I was sitting in my study, just kind of going over this uh, message again, getting ready for today, this morning, just kind of getting ready for that. I, I had this pondering thought this morning. Could it be that the hypocritical faith of individuals has turned more people away from the truth, including their own children, from the truth and from faith in Jesus Christ more than all other things combined. Could it be? Now, I understand that we're all responsible for our own decisions and our own actions, but could it be the cause of turning people away from the Lord, that type of feigned or hypocritical faith? I dare say it could could be but unfeigned faith is is this it's 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 once not hypocritical it's real it's genuine not hypocritical but those that have hypocritical faith it could be a great damage and cause great damage in others lives and since we're talking about hypocritical faith and and talk about that it'd be good to define uh, that term itself where did hypocrite come from now when you think of the word hypocrite a number of different things might come to mind Maybe you might think of a politician that's caught in a scandal. Oh boy, all right. Or uh, maybe you might think of a religious leader who is doing the opposite of their calling. Or maybe you might be thinking of a scheming and a conniving character that you may see on the soap operas. All right, I'm going to ask you, anybody watch soap operas? Don't raise your hand. If you do, I expect you at the altar call this morning in front. Amen, all right. But normally when you think, I'm joking, it's terrible, I'm sorry. But normally when you think of a hypocrite, you don't think of this. You don't think of someone in the theater. But that's where it came from. That's the origin of, of, this, of this word and term, hypocrite. It comes from the Greek word hypocrites. And this is a compound word that means an interpreter from underneath. All right. So this little definition of interpreter from underneath it makes more sense when you understand that the actors during ancient Greek days and times, and during those theaters, they would wear large masks to identify which character they would be playing. And as they played a particular character, they would tell that character's story from underneath their mask. So they would interpret that character from underneath. But as time went on, this Greek word took on extended meaning to refer to any person or who was uh, wearing a figurative, not a literal, but a figurative mask. Any person who was pretending to be something they were not, someone who was not real, not genuine. And of course for today, the general meaning behind the word hypocrite would be a person who acts in contradiction to his or her stated beliefs or feelings. That's really what a hypocrite is, someone who is just playing, just acting, and not genuine. And as you look at this word hypocrite, someone's been hypocritical in Scripture, understand Jesus had a lot to say about those individuals. 
He had a lot to say, especially to the religious crowd of the, of the day. And in Matthew chapter 15, the Bible says this in verse number 7 through 9, Jesus speaking, Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain that he worshipped me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. He was saying, listen, they were just under a mask. They were hiding, just playing, not being real. And again, you can see in Matthew chapter 23, verses 13 through 30, Jesus says the word hypocrite eight times again, speaking to the scribes and Pharisees. And when he does so, he's looking at the scribes and Pharisees, he pronounces a judgment upon them, uses the word woe several times and calls them hypocrites and by the way when he does so we won't take time this morning to for time's sake to read that portion of scripture but i encourage you to do it in matthew 23 13 through 30 but when he talks to them and tells them they're hypocrites and tells them of the judgment and woe pronounced upon them understand he does not do so in a very soft tone and very loving graciousness that you would consider loving and gracious no 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 when you read that, you will see exclamation marks at the end. What Jesus was doing was giving them very hard preaching. He was telling them what they really were, though others saw them differently. He was telling them, listen, you're playing the hypocrite. You're portraying hypocritical faith. He was hard on those guys, on the religious crowd of the day, on the Pharisees and the scribes. Why, though? Because those very fellas, those that were part of that religious crowd of the day, they knew better. They knew better. They had more truth, more scripture, more light than any other person, any other people group. They knew the Old Testament scriptures. Many of them have it, had most of it memorized. Uh, most of them had to have it memorized the first five books of the Bible, memorized before they could ever be considered a scribe or, or a Pharisee for sure. They, more, they had more of a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. They knew the truth, but those guys did not obey it. Here's what they were doing. They were just putting on a show to impress other people. They were just acting. They were just pretending. They were truly being hypocritical in their knowledge of God and in their faith. So when it comes to this type of hypocritical faith, in our day and age, do you know what that person is doing? Someone who may be hypocritical in their faith, right? You know what they're just doing? They're just playing a game. They're just playing church. And in a moment, they're not being real. And listen, that has no place and no use, really, in uh, for the Lord to use that. He can't use that. Hypocritical faith. But the kind of faith we're looking at from Lois and Eunice and even Timothy was not that kind. Rather, it's real. It's unfeigned. It's absolutely genuine. Does that mean he did everything perfect? No, not even close. Does that mean that Lois and Eunice must have been some kind of saint? Mm -mm. No, not not kind of saint you might be thinking of. All born-again believers are, are technically saints, right, as far as from scriptures, what the Bible calls us, calls us but, but not what you're thinking of. They were not perfect whatsoever. No, 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 they still messed up. Absolutely. But they were real. They were genuine. Their faith was unfeigned. It was not hypocritical. And so Timothy, as Paul is writing to him, say, look, in verse number 5, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, where did he learn it? Where did he 
where did he see this? How did he get it? Well, again, it wasn't from Paul. It wasn't from Peter or John or any other disciples or apostles. Listen, this did not even come from his own daddy. The Bible says this in Acts chapter 16, verse 1. Then came he, that's Paul, to Derby and Lystra. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess, and believed, but his father was a Greek. Now, when the Bible says here that his mother was a Jewish and believed, we would, we would think that this means that she was a believer, all right? She was a Jewish woman, but she was a saved Jewish woman. But when the Bible says of his father that his father was a Greek, using this word before it, but it is showing a strong contrast, saying uh, his mother was a believer, but it would seem his father more than likely was not. So if this is the case, Timothy, he didn't learn of the unfeigned faith from his dad. Rather, where did he learn it? Look at our text again, verse number 5. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee which dwelt first, and thy grandmother Lois, and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Listen, young Timothy had a great privilege in his life to see something real. To see something unfeigned, to see a life-changing faith in his grandmother and in his mother. Ladies, I want to tell you something. Mamas, grandmas, I want to tell you something this, this morning. You have more influence on your children than you could ever imagine. You have more opportunity than you ever imagine to shape their lives or to tarnish their lives, to point them to Jesus or point them away from the Lord, to prove the truth of the Bible with your life or cast a shadow over the truth with your life. And that doesn't just go for mamas, that goes for daddies too, all right? For all of us, we have more of an opportunity to show what real faith is than we could ever, ever imagine. And I believe that's exactly what Eunice and Lois did. They did this, number two. They taught this. They taught it to Timothy. They taught the unfeigned faith to Timothy. Again, the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, a page over, in verse 15, the Bible says, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation, through faith which is in Christ Jesus. So, who was it that taught Timothy? From a young child, the scriptures. Again, we know it wasn't his daddy. It wasn't Paul, the other apostles. It was rather his mama. It was his mother and his grandmother. His mother taught him. Now again, going back to the parents. All right, I'm just going to lump us all in today. Not just moms and grandmas, but all of us. Grand, all of us parents and grandparents going to lump us all in today. Uh, get this, all right. Understand, can I encourage you with this? Don't leave it up to your pastor only and your youth pastor only or your Sunday school teachers only to teach the Word of God to your children. I got something. All right. We know what this is. Okay. Don't just leave it up to the pastor. I know so many times we want others to teach our kids and do it for us. But don't just leave it up to your pastor. Don't just leave it up to the youth pastor. Don't just leave it up for the Sunday school teachers. No, no, no. We need to teach our own children because that's exactly what Lois and Eunice did to Timothy. 
They taught him the scriptures from a child. From a young age, they taught him. Now understand, uh, your pastor, your youth pastor, Sunday school teachers, we're going to try our very best to teach the children. All right, teach your kids uh, the word of God, the truth, and point them to Jesus. By the grace of God, we're going to try our very, very best. But it shouldn't be the first time they hear about Jesus all week at Sunday school. <laughs> Come on, guys. Y'all, y'all ain't sleep, are you? All right. should be the only time they hear of Jesus one day a week at church on Sunday. They need to hear it from you. They need to hear it from Mama. Hear from Daddy. Hear from Grandma, Grandpa. They need to hear it from you. Don't let it be the only time they hear of a Lord just, just at church. They're going to hear it, but it should be more of a reinforcement of what they're already learning Learning at home. Teach your children. You know, as grandparents and parents, we should be teaching our kids just as the Bible commands us. And this is what a command that uh, even Moses, uh, the Lord gave Moses to the Hebrews to tell the Hebrews to do. In Deuteronomy chapter number 6, verses 1 through 7, the Bible says this. Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that ye might do them in the land whether you go to possess it, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God, to keep all of his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee, thou and thy son, thy son's son, all the days of thy life, that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, that ye may increase mightily, as the Lord God of your fathers hath promised thee, in a land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Here it is. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thy, thou risest up. Uh, he, the Lord didn't tell Moses to say, All right, you got to go each household and teach them this. No, no, no. He said, you parents teach your kids. Again, in Deuteronomy eleven nineteen, speaking of teaching the word, you shall teach them your children, speaking of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up. Psalm 78 and verse 4, we will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. Ephesians 6 and verse number 4, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Understand, Lois and Eunice taught Timothy the word of God. They taught Timothy of the faith unfeigned. They taught him. Where did he learn it from? I'm sure Paul helped him understand the way a little more perfectly, but he learned it home so who taught it mom did grandma did but lastly and thirdly i want to see this but the unfeigned faith it was caught yes it was taught but it was also caught now before i dive into this point understand something parents we should be teaching our children the truth and faith in the lord jesus christ but we cannot receive that truth for them we cannot receive it for them. We cannot, we, cannot, we cannot make them put their faith in the Lord. We can't do it for them. They have a responsibility as well. 
they have a responsibility to understand and receive the truth and, and respond to the Lord. They have a responsibility to do that on their own, but we should be teaching them. But understand something, as I read Scripture, Timothy, he did catch it as it was taught to him. Look at verse number 5 again. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. When Paul says this in verse number 5, when I call to remembrance, meaning when he recalls the unfeigned faith, Paul knew where it originated from because he had seen it before. You know, it's interesting as you track Paul's missionary journeys through the book of Acts. And especially in Acts chapter 16, a little bit ago that we read concerning Timothy's father. Uh, when he came to Lystra and Derby, it could be, all right, I'm not trying to read into Scripture, but I'm just pointing out a possibility. It could be that Grandma Lois may have been the, one of the very first converts there in Lystra, but definitely one of the first converts in this family of Lois, Eunice, and Timothy. But she was able, Lois was able to teach Eunice, and then in return, Eunice was able to teach Timothy. That could have been the case, as she's one of the first converts there in Lystra and Derby. But listen, but this faith that he saw in Lois, Paul saw in Lois, he now sees in Timothy. So that tells me that Timothy, he caught, he was taught that faith, but he also caught that faith. What do you mean by caught it? You keep saying that, what does that exactly mean? I mean, he saw something real in his mother's life. And he caught it. You see, I believe that Eunice and Lois didn't just tell Timothy, here's what you do, boy. Didn't just tell Timothy, here's how you live. Didn't just tell Timothy, you need to trust the Lord. Didn't just tell Timothy, here's how you serve the Lord. Or here's how you should serve the Lord. I don't, I don't believe they just told him. I believe they showed him with their very own life. And I believe this showing of their faith, I believe that shows how he knew of their faith. Not just by hearing it, but by seeing it. And that's why it was real. That's why it was unfeigned, sincere, and genuine. Because think about it. If Lois and Eunice only told Timothy about the faith, only told him about the Lord, only told him about trusting God, only told him but never lived it, never allowed this truth to change their very lives, do you think Timothy would have ever wanted that kind of faith? Do like this. <laughs> no. Of course not. Because that kind of faith of, I'm going to tell you how to do it, but not live it myself, that's epitome of hypocrisy. We've already talked about that. Absolutely not. I believe they taught him, yes, but they showed him. They showed him how to do it. Parents, again, I want to tell you something. Faith and truth that is only talked, only talked about and never lived will never be caught. But will be an absolute repellent to your children. Let me ask you some questions. Do you want your kids to live for Jesus? Okay. Do you uh, want your kids to trust the Lord? You want your kids to be faithful to the Bible, to be faithful to church? You want your kids to turn to the Lord? Then you do it. Then we 
need to do it. We can't expect them to do it if we're not going to. We must do it as well because we need to show them. Not just tell them, but show them how to do it also. The Bible says this in Proverbs 22 and verse number 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's a great verse. I know many have, cling, have clung to that verse, and especially as they think of a wayward child or something like that. They, they cling to it. They say, look, he's been taught, she's been taught. They know better. You're right. You're right. They know better. That the, the, the seed of the truth of the Word of God has been planted in their heart and life, and God's Word will never return void. I'm thankful for these promises of Scripture. But as I look at this verse, so many times I think we get it a little bit misconstrued, just a little. You see this word here in Proverbs 22, verse 6, where it says, train up a child in the way he should go. It does not say, teach a child. You see, understand, teaching and training are not exactly the same. Training implies there will be teaching, but teaching does not always imply there will be training. Because you and I, we can teach from a curriculum or from a book all day long, but when it comes to training someone, that means you got to show them how it's done. I remember when when started playing football, our coaches would train us. They didn't just teach us. They would train us. They would show us. All right, boys, here's a three-point stance. This is how you get down your three-point stance, all right? This is what you do, all right? Here's how you block. You're good. Get your hands here. Don't put your hands around them. If you get a big old bear hug, they're throwing a the flag every time. All right, get them in here. Throat punch. Get them in here, all right? Push this way. Yeah. They didn't teach us throat punch. We learned that on our own. All right, anyway. Here's how you tackle. This way you, you get your head up. This Tackle this way in the chest, yada, yada. And uh, they do all this why to help us not get hurt ish as bad all right but they do this try to protect us and to teach us and to train us they did it by showing us i know i've used this example before but when i learned to drive a stick shift and some of you are like hey what well that's a uh, a millennial anti-theft device called a stick shift manual all right anyway so as i was learning to drive a manual my dad he was, he taught me early i was six seven eight years old he began to teach me he would he would pick me up put me in his lap and i said he'd take his hand over my hand and put it on the shifter and he i couldn't reach the pedals so he'd do all that but he would show me how to go to first second third you know and so forth and so on and then later on i got a little older and i was barely able to reach the pedals and to be able to shift it i can do it on my own why he didn't just point and tell but he showed me he taught me and trained me you see the same goes with faith the same goes with following the lord it's not just pointing and telling but it's showing and leading and that's exactly what eunice did with her son timothy and lois did with her grandson timothy they just point and tell but they led and showed that's the difference between teaching and training so if we want our children to have sincere real unfeigned faith then as parents and as grandparents we're going to have to show them what that looks like and when they get older on their own and when they face difficulties and when they face storms 
They'll be able to look back and you say, I saw my mama go through the same thing. I saw my daddy go through the same thing. And I saw him. I saw him. Didn't just hear him. I saw them turn to the Lord. And I saw God intervene on their behalf. And I saw God come through like I've never seen him before. I saw God in their life. And I just hear it from their lips. That's the difference. So if we want this kind of faith in our life, especially in the life of our children, they're not going to get it by just reading. They're going to get it by seeing too. Watching mama. Watching dad. Watching grandma. Watching, watching grandpa. That's how they catch it. So one of the last questions I have this morning is this. What are they catching? What are they seeing? I would say, well, they're hearing, but it needs to match up. <laughs> what are they seeing? Because it does matter. Listen, our world is going to teach them completely opposite, tell them completely opposite, and show them completely opposite. But what are you going to show? What are we going to show them today? Is it going to be like the faith of Lois and Eunice and, yes, even eventually Timothy, a faith unfeigned or something different? God, help us. God, help us to have faith unfeigned. I'm not talking about perfection, but real, true, genuine Sincere faith. What do they see?